All right, here we go. And... Hi, I'm Nikki from Tyrion's Landing, a podcast member of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the one you're listening to now, the opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. All right, great. We go. We we go. E- we go. Ego. Ego? Wego Lee? Is that the name of some kind of like thing or whatever? No, it isn't. That's not a thing. Wego Lee? That's not a thing. I don't think it's a thing. Do you know what is a thing? Is episode whatever this is of Unqualified Gamers now back on YouTube, which How is very exciting. I think it's been uh, like six years since... Yeah, six to 12 to 16. When was YouTube invented? Um, way About a year before our podcast came out, at the best, least. Yeah, we were doing it before then. So yeah, there's that. Um, I, I'm Cody Goff, and this is Jonathan Martin, and this is Unqualified Gamers, and uh, you're probably listening on WGMplus.com, or on UnqualifiedGamers.com, or on GunnaGeek.com, or on somewhere else that I don't even know where we're being syndicated. But now, in addition to those things, you can slash may also be listening to us slash kind of watching us on YouTube, only... <laughs> only... I, my camera's broken. So. Yeah, so here's here's the funny thing. So um, if you listen to our episode maybe like, I don't know, six, six episodes ago, Cody talked about a, um, a computer issue that he had, like a, a, a significant severe one, a, a crypto locker virus. And, um, and this podcast has had a long, long history of technical difficulties ever since about episode 100. Before then, everything was very smooth sailing. But since about episode 100, we've had a long history um, of technical difficulties. And, and uh, once Cody hit that episode around the time that he got the crypto locker virus on his computer, I think that you have literally not had a single thing go correctly the first time with anything you've tried to do with your, your current computer. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it, yeah. actually. So um, now Cody's camera is broke, and he's going to get, need to get a new one of those. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um. So whatever, that's fine. I'm going to buy a, a new webcam. I had the Microsoft Life Cam, and it is it is completely broken. I just I don't even. I mean, there's nothing to be done about it, which is fine. So I'm going to purchase a Logitech camera. Uh, one of our amazing listeners, one of uh, the best listeners ever, Ryan Dombrowski, at one point offered to actually buy me a webcam, I think because he felt so sorry for how terrible mm-hmm. I am at computers, and I declined because I'm an idiot. I wish that I had not done that, but uh, here we are, and uh, I'm just going to buy a, a little Logitech deal. So that, that's fine. I'm not worried about it. We're going to talk about video games in this episode. Jonathan has lots to say about video games. And then he has some epic story to tell, some tale of houses and something that happened that I don't really... I'm not really going to listen to it, but you you can. Feel free to do so. And he's also... What are you talking? You're talking Super Meat Boy, Broken Hurricane, and uh, Broken broken era, broken Era, Age, and Until Dawn, maybe? So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Like, I, I don't... I went on, like, a bender over the past couple of weeks um after all of the house stuff settled down like you know i'm kind of in a holding pattern um 
until so we're going to be ended up moving most likely in December into the new house and we're moving out of our current house on October 29th and uh, every like everything's packed for the most part we've got about 15% of our stuff left to pack and so um like there's nothing in my house like it's so I don't have anything to do I of course left my video games and stuff hooked up because I I need something to do at night and and so, like, that's it. That's like all that's that's all that's left. So that's all I have to do. Other than other than text me sweet nothings, obviously. Yeah, but I would have done that kind of no matter what. Oh, irregardless. Irregardlessly, I would have done that. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Well, good. I'm glad that uh, that. I mean, that's always pretty much the last thing that I always pack as well when I'm moving somewhere. Is it's in? Believe me, I'm no stranger to moving. As uh, I do it pretty much every one to three, two years. One to two. I don't think I've lasted more than two years in an apartment in this yeah, city. Yeah, I'm really you looking forward what? to this next move because it's going to be the last one, uh, it, at least planned. The last planned one for possibly ever. And I'm excited to never move. Damn, son. Well, we'll get into the house yeah. later. But I want to hear you talk about video games because I have played literally nothing. All I have done is been trying to fix computers. Yeah, so Cody got his computer back, and so uh, it had everything wiped, and so he had to like reinstall everything. And apparently, he installed Windows 10, and that broke stuff. That broke everything on your computer. No, this was this this wasn't even the thing. This was a different computer altogether. So, so Logan, our friend, who very kindly fixed my hard drive after the whole crypto locker incident. He, he was like, uh, you know, you should try Windows 10, check it out, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm like, okay, cool. I have two computers. I've got the computer in my room, which has like my whole life, all my files, my podcast, everything. And then I've got my brand new gaming PC, which is only for games. And I'm just going to install some Steam games on there. It's basically a video game system. I don't have docs on there. I don't have Microsoft Word. I'm not editing on there. I don't have saved stuff. Like... That's the one where if if I have to wipe the hard drive, I can re-download everything in like a second. So I'm like, that's the one I should try Windows 10 on because, you know, if everything is on my Windows 7 PC in my bedroom. Like, I don't want to go to Windows 10, have it screw everything up, right? So I tried it and it failed miserably. It just, like, I, I booted up Metal Gear Solid 5, booted up. I, I opened Metal Gear Solid 5, which I have not been able to play because of it. And, and it's, like, running super choppy. And then I tried updating drivers, and NVIDIA wasn't letting me in. It was just, it was a nightmare. And I, I hated everything. I just hated everything about it. You have it, though. I have it on like one. It? I have it on my laptop. Um, and then on my regular PC, I've got Windows 7 still because I, I like Windows 7. So my laptop had Windows 8 on it, which I detested. So anytime, right. any chance I could get to get rid of Windows 8, I was like on board. So I was super excited when I could get Windows 10 for free. And I still think I like 7 better, but I haven't really tooled around with 10 all that much. But 10 by is is head and shoulders above Windows 8. Like it's not even close. Well, yeah, but that, that's, yeah, I, I understand that's not much of a uh, uh, that's not much An accomplishment. Of a, yeah, right. I guess I, Windows Eight was terrible, so I'm just I'm excited to have something different on the computer. But I'm I'm glad that broke for you too, though. Yeah, because you know why wouldn't it? It's just kind of the flavor of the day for me. It's fine. It's whatever. It's uh, it's very first world um, problems. I'm not super 
worried about it. I and and I'm gonna upgrade. So so then I go into our our Facebook group, a private group that we've got with our friends, and I'm complaining about it. And everyone unanimously, like half of our friends apparently are software developers. All of a sudden, then they're all just like, "Trust me, you want to have the latest Windows." Blah blah blah. It's really great. It's drivers. Blah blah blah. So I'm going to try it one more time. Keeping in mind that Logan has volunteered himself to be my dedicated tech support. So that's his fault. He was like, oh, should have called me. I'm like, all right, man, you want me to call you when I have problems with my computer? That's fine. I'll do it. But you holy, your- holy crap. You are going to be like my grandmother when it comes to computers. You're going to call Logan and be like, Logan, my screen went black. He's going to be like, did you? Okay. You know, I, Cody, I need you to hit the power button. The, the light just turned green. All right. The screen's on. Thanks, Logan. I'll call you if I have any more problems. That's what's going to happen. Is that what's going to happen specifically? I really hope so. All right, great. Can't wait. Well, whatever. Uh, I'm going to upgrade to Windows 10 and try it again after I have beaten Metal Gear Solid 5 because I'm I'm done. I'm done with this two weeks of not playing games because I'm busy updating drivers and making sure all my hardware works and installing hard drives and everything. I'm done with it. I'm just totally over it. Especially when your hardware still doesn't work. Uh, just the webcam, yeah. There was a Logitech one I wanted to get anyway, so I'll I'll just buy that excitedly. I think this is still under warranty, the life cam, so I'm going to try to send it to Microsoft and be like, give me my money. But I don't know what will happen. But Sweet. Yeah, I mean, I mean, part of the other reason I haven't been gaming is because I was traveling, but we're going to save our little lifestyle portion of the, this podcast until the end and actually uh, start by, by playing it, about talking about video games. Um. The other thing about Windows 10, though, real quick, related to games, is I heard it has some issues with some Steam games, which I clearly uh, was affected by when Metal Gear Solid Five wasn't working properly. Do you game on your Windows 10 device at all, or no? Not at all. I oh, have okay. st- So I have streamed um, Diablo 3 from my downstairs PC to that laptop with um, like Steam Play, that thing where you can stream from one computer to another. Yeah. Um, but that's it. Uh, I have not actually used it. Because that computer... So that computer is li- literally a $200 laptop. Did you know you could buy laptops for $200? It's a $200 laptop. It basically runs Windows. I don't know. I don't think it can do anything else. It was It was a... It's supposed to be like a web surfing email checking type com- that I can bring anywhere. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't really do anything. Well, what can you do about the games and the Windows 10, but Call Logan. That should be our new podcast name is Call Logan. Call Logan. Um, So I actually, like you said, I played a ton of video games. Like I said, I played a ton of video games. So I would like to talk about them. Fine. Continue. Uh, uh, So PlayStation Plus continues to be, in my opinion, awesome. Like So apparently there's like this, there's like a big... um, and maybe this was because I was not one... Like, I didn't have PlayStation Plus during the PlayStation 3 era when you didn't need it. But now you need it if you ever want to play online. So, um, pre, you know, I think pretty much everybody has it that has a PlayStation 4 now. Um, but uh, there's a lot of, like, complaints from people, apparently, about the offerings that are free when you subscribe to PlayStation Plus. Um there's a lot of indie stuff that gets put out every month now, and apparently people were used to getting, like, AAA titles put out. So, um, to me, just, like, getting f- free games of any kind are great, and not to mention I really like a lot of indie games, so I have no problem with this. But I guess, like, 
this it's different from what it used to be. I still think it's great. So I still consider PlayStation Plus to be an awesome investment. It ended up costing me like forty bucks or thirty five bucks um, getting it on sale, and it's a year it's a year's worth of subscription, and they give you like two to three games free a month. So this month, Super Meat Boy got released for the PlayStation Four, and anybody that was a PlayStation Plus member got it. Um, also, Broken Age, which was Double Fine's um, Kickstarter that finally got released, I want to say like seven or eight months ago. Yeah, that was that was one of the free games. Um, both parts of it because it got released in halves, um, and then some other game that I haven't even tried yet that I don't remember the name of, but was not on my radar really at all as the game I've ever even, um, which occasionally shows up in these PlayStation Plus offerings. So um, I've played Super Meat Boy before. Uh, I played it on my PC and I played it with an Xbox 360 controller. And, um, you know, the D-pad on the Xbox 360 controller is horrendous. I mean, it is, it is the worst. And I liked Super Meat Boy, but it was very frustrating to play that game with that D-pad and it doesn't, I don't feel like it controls super well because the amount of precision that's needed in this game is like, it's insane. I mean, oh, it's the whole God. point of the game. Yeah. And like, play, and like, you can't really get that kind of precision with a joystick, I feel like. And so you really need a D pad. And just the D pad on the 360 controller was horrible. So I know some people have like, have completed it no problem on a 360 controller. I just had a lot of problems playing it on a 360 controller. So, um,. I was kind of excited because it's like, all right, now I can play this game with a PlayStation 4 controller. It can tr- probably my favorite controller, I think, of all the controllers. Absolutely agree. Yeah. So um, I downloaded it and I started playing it. And when I first played it a couple years ago on the on the PC, I think I got to like the second world and I got about three quarters of the way through the second world. And I was like, I'm just done with this. Like, I know this game is going to ramp up crazy hard in difficulty and I'm already getting frustrated with some of the things like I was dying. And from everything I heard about the game, when you die in that game, you're supposed to feel like it's not your fault or like it is your fault. Like you just screwed something up and did it wrong. I was feeling like it wasn't my fault. I was feeling like it was the controller's fault. So now I've got it on the PlayStation 4. I'm playing it with a PlayStation 4 control. And I like whiz through the first two worlds of the game, kind of no problem. I had a couple of issues on a couple of levels. But I noticed that like I'm super enjoying the game, being able to play it with the PlayStation D-pad. Like super enjoying it. It's a really good game. Well, yeah, it's an amazing game. Yeah, but I, I totally agree. With an Xbox 360 controller, it's, it's like, what are you doing, you know? Ex- exactly. So like now that I have, I think, what feels like the proper equipment to with which to enjoy this game, I'm like really enjoying it. Um, and it's the kind of game where I can like, we talk about this kind of game all the time. I can sit down and I can play it for like 10 to 15 minutes and, and beat a level if it's a particularly difficult level and then like be done with it and then return to it later, right? right. It's right. like, it's great for that. It's super fun. So um, it, it's a puzzle platformer. If you're a member of PlayStation Plus, you can get it for free right now um, for the August releases if you have a PlayStation 4. And I just think, I, I liked it before. I didn't like... I understood why it was good, but I wasn't, I didn't super enjoy it. I'm really, really enjoying it. It's really good. It's a very good game. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I actually had a friend come over and, and play it uh, when I had some company one time and at my, at my place. And it was like a communal activity, just watching us die over and over again, basically. Also, did you also, did you like pass the, pass the uh, controller back and forth and stuff? Or was this just like, 
Yeah, between levels, because the thing is, like, if you're passing it between deaths, then you're passing it every, like, five seconds. Yeah, and you really are. Yeah, I feel like part of the way that you need to play the game is to play it over and over and over again, like, really, really quickly. Uh, um because yeah because it's like you practicing and it's about getting repetition and muscle and, and listener like this that. is so super meat boy is a pixelated like it's a super ultra pixelated platforming game that's like ultra difficult like a, an incredibly difficult platforming game think on the lines of like gianna sisters or um cloudberry kingdom or um i can't remember cloudberry kingdom is a good example anyway um and then it, so it's just it, it it requires incredible precision and when you die you respawn like it's literally instant like as soon as you die you are playing the game again um and so you just continue to play it until you complete the level kind of the way it, it is set up yeah or like um or like i want to be the bashi for them <laughs> all right listen if you know what i want to be the bashi is and you don't know it's you know it, you, you know yeah, what Superman boy is. that yeah. was a dumb analogy but but yeah yeah there's there's there those games are getting more popular. It's like a thing now. I got one that has an ED, a thumping EDM soundtrack throughout the entire game called uh, called something. I don't remember what it's called, but it, it's the same exact kind of thing. You just you die and you respawn, and then you just play it over and over again because you're constantly dying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyway, I'm like super fond of this game, um, and I'm super glad it was free. Like that's really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Our friend Blake has played that game a ridiculous amount. And no, of course, knowing him, he's like 100% at everything, which is ridiculous to me because it's such a hard game. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be getting the Platinum Trophy in this game. Um, I just, <laughs> because of how difficult I know the game is and I'm sure we'll get, but I I definitely am going to sit down with this game repeatedly. I mean, like even before, typically before I play any other game, I sit down and play like one or two levels of, of it. I've been finding myself doing. Awesome. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, the Meteor game, the Meteor game that they uh, gave free with PlayStation Plus this month is Broken Age. Um, so so Broken Age is a <clears throat> double fine game um, who are very well known for adventure games. Um, listener, I'm going to assume you know what an adventure game is. Something like The Secret of Monkey Island um, or Maniac Mansion or Day of the Tentacle. Games like that. Um I'm just going to assume you know what that is. So, because they've been around forever. So this is in uh, this is an adventure game, uh, much in the style of those of those old adventure games, um, which I will be perfectly honest, I basically didn't play when I was a kid. Uh, I didn't have a PC growing up, and that was where those games lived. Um, and I know they were super well regarded at the time. I just never got a chance to play them because I didn't have a PC that was capable of playing. Um, so, uh, I've played, like, the occasional one over the years that's come up, whether it be on, like, the iPad, which is a great device for adventure games, but just because of their structure, um, as well as, like, the random PC game I got on, like, a Steam sale. I've played, like, like the occasional one. But this one is, is, uh, is st- sticking with me in a game that I, an adventure game, adventure games, like, haven't in the past, really. So, um... It is an adventure game told in two parts. Uh, it is it is a you are you play one of two characters that you can that you can um, change between at any time, um, and uh, it starts. So it starts off again. You can pick either one of these characters, and one of them, the the boy character who's voiced by Elijah Wood, um, is uh, is on like a spaceship, like this this 
basically a spaceship traveling through space. He's the only person on this spaceship. Um, and it's not a typical spaceship. It's not like a lot of technical devices um, and, and like planet planets and stars and stuff like you can tell immediately from like the way he interacts with the stuff that's on this ship that something's really weird about it um his he's got like this these two computer programs one is a an orange ball and one is a that are his mom and dad he calls them mom and dad but regards them as um as computers um and uh he like his mom sets up these missions for him to go on within the ship. Like for, for instance, and double finds known for their humor, uh, in their games. But for instance, his mom sets up a mission for him to, to rescue these small hexagonal robots from ice cream mountain. And, and there's been, and he's like a 14 year old or something like that. So he's, he's got like the teenage angsty attitude and he goes into this room and these two hexagonal robots are like, you know, they, they say, oh, no, like a, there's been an ice cream avalanche. And he's just like, OK, whatever, because he's done this exact same mission like a thousand times. And he goes up to them with a spoon that you find that can talk to you, whose whole whose whole job it is, is to be the best spoon that a spoon could ever be. What? And he just... And he just starts eating the ice cream that is trapping these. And we're talking like a giant, literally like a mountain of ice cream. And he just starts eating this ice cream with this small spoon that's talking to him. And it fades to black. And like, that's it. Like, that's the mission that he went on. So there's something weird. There's something really weird about this, like, spaceship that he's on. Um, like, it, every, the mom computer makes playmates for him out of yarn I, I don't know it's it's really wacky and the voice acting is wonderful and it's super funny so wait this um, this, rem- this sounds like nino kuni is is it like kiddish is it like a rated g kind of humor i would say like pg i'd say it's rated it's a it's a rated pg kind of humor it's written it's written so like adventure games just by design when they are good are written incredibly smartly um, to like appeal to a broad range of senses of humor. Um, and they are, this is a game and we've talked about voice acting before and why it matters or doesn't matter. This is a game where the voice actor acting really matters a lot and um, definitely affects the like the quality of this game and the amount of enjoyment that I'm getting out of this game because the again Elijah Wood voices the the main character the boy he he voices Shay um and uh, what the voice direction is fantastic for him because he's a well-known voice you know but that doesn't make him a good voice actor but the direction for him is is wonderful so he's very well done um Jack Black is in this game he's also great that like, is it's always got, a win I know. So it's got some it's got some great like celebrity cameo uh type type stuff in it too. Um Jennifer Hale's in it. Um so yeah. Uh it so um that's like his story and again it's it, it's like set in space. It's a weird spaceship. The girl's story is set in this kind of like fantastical fairyland type like long long ago Shrek style. 
or far, far away. I'm sorry, Shrek style, um, with just like a like also kind of a uh, a very non traditional fairy tale style. So her story, um, Shay, she, you don't find out Shay's story till later. Basically, what happens is he gets approached by a a, a wolf that stows away on the ship and convinces him to go on real missions. He basically, um, the computer's job is to keep Shay safe on the spaceship. And this wolf convinces Shay to basically like hack the controls and send him to dangerous places because people in the universe need to be rescued. So, um, like that's what happens to Shay. Um, the girl, the girl, um, whose name is Vela. She, again, lives in this fairy land, this fairy tale world. And, there's a a monster called Mog Chothra, which sounds yes. very yeah Mog Chothra, which to me I don't know does that is that resonate with you in a way that it doesn't with me because to me it just sounds H P Lovecraft. No, it's the second cousin of Bunavelza. Oh, see, I I knew I should have played Final Fantasy thirteen three. See, there you go, there you go. I'm, miss, I'm missing out. Yeah, I'm missing out. Uh, anyway, it's so it's a very like. Um, Call of Cthulhu esque monster. It's like this big, this it's basically it basically is like a big beholder, big giant like floating eyeball with five tentacles coming out of the the bottom of it. It's it's enormous, um, and there are multiple villages in Vela's world, and they all hold something called a maiden's feast, where they dress up. They pick like four women from the village, and they dress them up in these ridiculous outfits. Um, that are themed with the theme of the village. So, like, one village is... The village that, that Vela comes from is uh, is called um, Sweet Bunting. And so all of the girls are dressed in, like, giant cakes. Uh, there's, there's another village that is, um, like, a, a fishing town, and all the girls, like, smell like fish, like, really gross. Uh... And then there's a, like a village in the clouds, and all the girls have dresses that are like birds, and they're made with like feathers and stuff. So it's kind of again really weird. Um, and Mogshatra comes, and you are supposed to basically be eaten by him if you are one of these offerings, one of the offerings to him. And if you are eaten by him, it is like a great honor. It's considered a great honor for that to happen. So Vela is um, chosen to be in the maidens' feast, and. It is her time to be eaten by Mogshatra, and she is like the first girl ever to fight back. And she she fights back against Mogshatra, and her story is, I want to kill Mogshatra. And it's literally her going around, and it's a great storyline, because everybody you talk to um, during the first half of the game when you're playing as Vela, there's always a story option. It can be the first thing you say to a random stranger is like, hey, can you help me kill Mog Chothra? Like, it's, and it's just, it's every time it's funny. Uh, Mog Chothra is like a well-known, well-known, like, god in this world. And so most of the time, like, the response is like, why would you want to do that? It's awesome to get eaten by Mogshatra. It's <laughs> it's it's great. It's really funny. It's it's again. It's very well done. Um, and that's like and that's her story. Um, and it's got the standard um adventure adventure game tropes of uh you get items, you combine items together, um, you use those items then on puzzles to to solve the puzzles and and like that 
progresses you further in the game. Um, It's very, very standard adventure game stuff. Um, Again, the story is really what set it apart for me because halfway into the game, I understand how this game was divided into two chapters because there's a very clear point which the first chapter ends and it is one of the best like stopping point cliffhanger uh things that i think has ever been in video games whoa it's hyperbole alert it's phenomenal at least that i have ever played it's absolutely phenomenal and it, it just goes it it's because the storytelling is so good in this game um but it's just it's just it's really great it's really great um a thing this game does that's smart in term uh, in like the the pantheon uh, pantheon of adventure games is that I think it really pushes the genre forward. One of my big problems with adventure games in the past when I've played them is solutions feel very obtuse a lot of the time, and you don't want to look up solutions in adventure games because that's the whole gameplay right. of the adventure of the adventure game. So like, unless you're I mean, unless you're literally just going to it through the story, which honestly you should just watch a let's play if you're not if you don't want to like play the game and try to figure out the puzzles, um, you really aren't going to be looking up solutions when you're playing these games. And one of my big problems with adventure games in the past is like the solutions can be incredibly obtuse. Like use the hamster on the ceiling fan. Like that doesn't make sense as a solution to a problem in any way. Um, and a lot of times, also, there can be very large inventories of items, and so the possibilities of what you can do can be a little overwhelming. At least that has been my experience with adventure games in the past. This game keeps the inventory limited to, I think, the most I've ever had, and I'm almost done with the game, and I think the most I've ever had in my inventory at one time is like seven items, which is far less than in previous adventure games that I've played. That is appealing to me. Yeah, so that that has been really nice um, so far. There have been a couple of things. Uh, it makes it easy to try every item on every object. In, if you get to a part where you're stuck, just kind of brute force it. Um, I have had to do that like once or twice when something didn't seem seem like like apparent. Um, and so, like I will say, it hasn't been completely smooth sailing, but for the most part. Um, it has been much more accessible to me than any other adventure game I can remember playing. So, even more accessible than The Legend of Zelda. So that's a different type of that's a different type of adventure game than the type of adventure game we're talking. So that's like an action game, right? That's adventure action. Th- there's no action in this game. This is a game very very akin to, like I said, um, like Full Throttle, um, uh, Monkey the Monkey Island games. Um, do you you know those adventure games, Maniac Mansion and Day of the Tentacle, the old Lucas Art games, the old Lucas Arts games as well, um, King's Quest. Yeah, I've um, never played any of the games you're talking about. Okay, so like it, they again, probably because you maybe didn't have a PC that played a lot of video that you played a lot of video games on either um, when you were a kid. But they're games where there's no action. Like there's no. It's not like you're you're never going to have to react to anything. There's never like there's 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 not any kind of twitch gameplay at all um, or skill based gameplay it's you have an inventory of items you use them on puzzles to solve the puzzles and there are typically a lot of NPCs that you talk to with a lot of branching um, 
trees of conversation and dialogue that you can have. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so there's no there's no action at all. And I'm I'm to be honest, I'm not surprised that you that you've like literally never played an adventure game because I would say up to like three years ago, I don't think I had either. So why is it that? was like a, again because the adventure games were the biggest when they were on PC when you and I basically only had Nintendos and Super Nintendos. We didn't have computers that played video games, and so we weren't exposed to those adventure games as they were released. And we kind of they, they we missed it. We missed when they were a very popular genre. And they've recently been coming back with games like The Walking Dead, um, which is like a, that Telltale series. Tales from the Borderlands is an adventure game. Um, those games are are adventure games as well. It's just you and I didn't grow up with them at all, and that's why we didn't play them. Yeah, it makes sense. Would you say that we missed them? Like, do you think that this is a missed missed? Like, was it a detriment to our lives that we did not? play adventure I've, games i've played a couple in the past couple of years like i said um i've enjoyed them but haven't been obsessed with them this one makes me feel like some of those more classic ones that are so highly revered like i've never played day of the tentacle i hear it is one of the best adventure games ever made i hear it's hilarious and awesome this makes me want to go back and experience some of those amazing adventure games grim fandango is another one that just got released on the ps4 uprezzed um, that's supposed to be incredible that I've never played. Grim Fandango um, is supposedly one of the best games like ever, just like a kind of underground, but not really, you know? Yeah, and that was another game that I didn't have a computer that could play it when we were a kid, and so I never got a chance to play it. Um, mm. But this game makes me want to go back and play those games because it's just, it's really great. It is, these games are like are like story distilled into... They're 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 legitimately just story because there's not any real gameplay. It's using items on various things in your environment. There's no like other gameplay involved, and then listening to people talk. So, um, like if if you are like if you're interested in a good just a good story, this is the type of game that you should that you should try if you've never tried an adventure game before. And like I said, this particular one, Broken Age is incredibly accessible. It's it's a very it just feels like a very modern take on the adventure game. It which is awesome. It sounds like this genre also lends itself really well to let's plays because you're not missing any real quote unquote gameplay as you mentioned. Like if I want to experience Broken Age, I may and I don't have a PS4, I may decide to watch it. Absolutely. Um I will say that like like I said, you can you can watch a Let's Play if you don't like want to play the game at all, like, and you were going to look up a bunch of spoilers. Wa- watching, you should just watch a Let's Play of yeah. the game, um, because like the fun part is like the weird. The, some of the fun part is like the weird discovery of what items end up solving problems or looking at a problem and being like, you know, I need to get up to this platform. And, like, I have this thing, and, like, I have this thing, and I know that this thing in the environment reacts this way when I use this item on it. Like, what's the combination of items I need to use on this screen to get up to that platform? And figuring that out can be pretty rewarding as well. Cool. Well, um, I may check it out. Yeah, it's really good. And even if you don't play it, which I wouldn't fault you if you didn't, because I don't. these games are way not for everybody. Um, they are not going to be able to hold the attention of a lot of people, I think. Um, 
then watch a Let's Play because I think you can get just as, I really think you could get just as much out of it, little less out of it than playing it. Cool. So that's been really good. Um, I'm totally going to complete that. Like, no question in my mind. Um, I think it's probably about a six to eight hour game total. And just this, and the, the art style's great, and just the story is great, the music's great, and the voice acting is tremendous. Um, so yeah, check, check out Broken Age, um, especially if you've got PlayStation Plus, because right now it's free. That is awesome that it's only that short as well. I love games that are uh, not long. So I would think that adventure games couldn't really be much longer than, than that. Because I think that the gameplay might get a little stale after a while. Would you call Gone Home an adventure game? So it's like, it's like teetering on that. It's like teetering on the threshold of being an adventure game, but there aren't any, so there aren't any real puzzles in Gone Home. You don't get a number of items that have to figure out how to use them to like unlock more of, of the mansion that you find yourself in, or I guess it's a house of the house you find yourself in. Um, you mostly just walk through the house, look around the environment, discover the story that you want to discover. Um, and then listen to those journal entries that autoplay to give you like the story that the developers want you to see. Aha. That was a trick question. Do you know what kind of game gone home is? I think, I think lately they've been being labeled as walking simulators. Ah, damn it! Yeah, you stole my revelation. Yes, a walking game. Yeah, and there's a there's multiples of those that have been um, pretty pretty well regarded. Um, Dear Esther is another one of those. Uh, the guy that made um, the guy that made the Stanley Parable just came out with one. Um, it's his second game, so they're becoming more popular certainly as a genre. Adventure games have more interaction from the player because you've got to figure out puzzles, basically, is gotcha. the difference. Gotcha. But you wouldn't call Myst an adventure game. You'd call Myst a puzzle game, right? I don't know. Like, you're getting, I think you're kind of getting into semantics at this point. Most people would call Myst an adventure game, look, even if, though it's got more puzzles than most adventure games. Look, if I can't easily categorize something, Jonathan, then what, how am I, what, how, I mean, come on. That's a good point. That's a good point. The Thank what, you. how, what, come on is you've really, you have. Right. I have. Convinced me. I you've have. convinced me. I have. Yeah. I have. So, Broken Age is great, and that's not even the best game that I played. What? There's more? Yeah. I know. So, can, do we need a word from our sponsors quick before I continue to talk? <laughs> if only we had one. Back to you, John. So this would be a great place for sponsors. Um, I think originally we wanted Welch's to sponsor us because of Jelly. Um, wow. Th- anyway. That was a reference from like two years ago. How do you even remember that? I don't know. Because I pay attention to this podcast, obviously. At least one of us has to. Yeah, that's ever happened. Okay, sure. Go for it. Okay. So um, the best game that I played is In a game your called... life? Is it... No, no. This... this for this podcast. Oh. Is a game is a game called Until Dawn. Have you heard of this game? Um uh no. Okay. Um you know, and maybe the listener doesn't know, especially if you're relatively new to the podcast, but but you definitely know that Halloween is my favorite holiday. Like it is just it is my favorite holiday. I love all like the crazy lore that surrounds it. I love um I love all the different takes on it i love 
all the all the scary. I love scary movies. I've gotten to watch like five or six of them already this year. Um, I just love everything about it. So when October rolls around, I always make it a point to watch kind of as many scary movies as I can and play through like at least one. We'll call it scary game. Now, traditionally, I'm I'm I haven't been terribly scared by games um, in any horror games. Really, I find horror movies much more effective in terms of scaring me. Um, but in general, I like to play a game that at least is like in theme with with scary stuff in Halloween, right? Yeah, no, you're well-documented on this podcast of enjoying, uh, you just said, you like horror movies right. and games and things. So a couple of months ago, a game called Until Dawn came out, and I've been following it for, um, and when the reviews started coming out, and they, they started coming out like incredibly positive for this game, I was like, okay, like I have to get it. I have to, I have to play through this game. I've got a couple of friends up here that are just as into Halloween as I am. So um, it's, it's a great time of year for us. Like we always go, we always go to like the theaters and stuff too. But um, one of my buddies, Ryan, is really into playing scary games as well. And we've played through like Resident Evil 5 in the past. So he's on board with like playing scary games as well. So um, I was like, hey, do you want to come over one night because this game from what I could understand was like six to eight hours. I was like, do you want to come over one night and we will just try to play through this entire game? And he was like, sure, let's do it. Whoa, marathon. Yeah. And this is what I knew about the game. I knew that it was a, um, a very tropey kind of choose your own adventure game. Again, another adventure game, but with a little bit of a little bit more like gameplay in there, like quick time event gameplay stuff. It was it. So, do you remember when I talked about um, Heavy Rain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember what Heavy Rain was? Uh, it was a noir, it right? Was a, but and but you, basi- but basically, like it was it was just a bunch of quick time events. Yeah, a bunch of quick how, time events. Yeah. So th- this is that only. It is a horror movie of that. So it's that set in a in a horror genre game. Is this a new genre, QuickTime? Is that like a genre now? And can we even call it that or will Apple sue us? I think it continues. I think yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I think we should stay away from that. I think you could you could put this in the same category as adventure games. I think this could this could still be considered an adventure game as well. Oh. Yeah. Um, so the, the great part about these games, though, like this game and Heavy Rain specifically, are that the game... If you screw something up, the game doesn't stop or prevent you from moving forward. The story just always progresses forward, regardless of your actions. You can change the path of the story, just like in Heavy Rain, with your decisions. People will die, most likely, in this game from your decisions. And you can just continue to play the game. And that was exactly how it was in Heavy Rain as well, and it was awesome. Um, it had some major flaws. Heavy Rain did. So does Until Dawn. But the idea is still so unique. And and it hasn't been done enough yet to where it's still super cool when it's done. So this is a horror. It's a, it's a horror game. Um, the setting is you are a, a group of high school students. You don't play just one. It's, it's divided into chapters and you take control of many different high schoolers. Um, throughout the course of the game, just like 
a, a cheesy, campy horror flick, you all look far too old to be teenagers, <laughs> which is which is very much exactly what it's like in like old eighties horror movies because yeah. obviously they had twenty somethings playing teenagers at the time. So you all look far too old to be teenagers, but. At the very start of the game, and I won't get super into spoiler territory because the game is the, I, the game is just super cool. Um, uh, I'll just set up like the first maybe thirty-ish, twenty to thirty minutes of the game. The game starts off as you um, in you're in like this this cabin in the woods, uh, and it's like you and seven other people. It's like eight eight teenagers at this cabin, and. There's this one super douchey jock dude that the nerdy girl has a crush on. Um, and everybody decides they're going to play a prank on her. And so they play the prank of they're going to hide in this room. And the douchey guy, Josh, is going to tell her that he likes her. And they're going to have sex in this room upstairs. And everybody's going to watch. They're not going to have sex, but he's going to embarrass her, basically. So she walks in. And, of course, everybody embarrasses her. And she's so embarrassed that she runs out into the woods in the middle of the night and dies. That's awesome. And, and the next year, her brother, who was also there, who was, who was drunk at the time, invites everybody back up to the cabin for kind of like a cathartic cabin experience. Only it turns out that there's a killer in the woods. Because, of course, there is. Of course there and, is. And that's basically the setup of the story. And so it's it's you trying to figure out, like, what is going on? Like, who is the killer in the woods? Trying to keep people alive if you want to. Like, I immediately knew, like, when I was playing, when I was playing and, and Josh was introduced. And, like, I was like, I, I want Josh to die. Like, I want to find a way to get him to die. <laughs> In this game, because he was just such, he was such a jerk, right? And like he he comes back to the cabin with like his new girlfriend, and just like just like campy horror movies, all they talk about is having sex with each other. In like in 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 at first, it's like these these kind of subtle innuendos, but not really subtle, and it just slowly gets more and more like blatantly sexual and just like obnoxious until eventually it it comes to a head and just a great a great scene it's just it's just awesome it's um and so it 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 plays on on a lot of these kind of traditional horror tropes right so yeah. the way this game works is there will be a very long cut scene oftentimes anyway 10 minutes you will get control of a character um you may need to like look around. Um, you can like interact with objects in the environment, and and some of them are clues to various subplots of the game that go into like a a menu that you can see. Um, but none of them are necessary to continue playing the story of the game, kind of at all. Um, and and so you can like look around, and you can spend as much time as you want looking around generally until you get to a point where you trigger kind of the next cutscene. Eventually, you will have to um, you will have to interact somehow with with the game. Like you'll get like a, a you'll get a quick time event that eventually comes up, and depending on how you interact, um, sometimes it will have a negative consequence for 
somebody in the game. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes it'll have a consequence that um, does this thing called the butterfly effect, which is which is honestly probably the worst the worst thing about this game is like <laughs> it shows you very blatantly when you make a decision that is going to affect a later decision in the game. Like this big butterfly comes on the screen and it, it's got these animation that happens. Like it, that that to me was very little off off putting, but that's. A small complaint, right? Did the butterfly um, look like Ashton Kutcher? Right. It's it was it's dumb. It's it's dumb. Um, so uh, any anyway, like until those quick time events come up, sometimes you'll have the ability to like look around and look for clues uh, that don't matter, um, and then other times you're just in cutscenes, like getting story and getting great story, um, great cheesy horror story, uh, and so you'll you'll interact with the game by doing these quick time events. Depending on how you do on them, maybe something will happen in the game. Um, and then you continue the story after that. Um, apparently, there again, there was like eight, I think, teenagers in this game. Um, they, they kind of split up because, of course, they do. Because that's what happens in horror movies. Um, you can finish the game, from what I understand, with all eight of them dying. And you can also finish the game with none of them dying. Nice. Which is super interesting. Um, so, uh, in our current run, um, two of them are dead. Uh, I don't know if more will die, but two of them have two two teenagers have died so far, um, and it's been really interesting because one of the other things they do is is as cheesy as this butterfly effect thing is, and it is like I I don't like it in the way that it is. Um, in the way that it is executed, but one of the things that they that they do that's that's a little neat about it is that you can open a menu for all of these butterfly effect events, and there's about I would say like twenty of them, maybe twenty five of them, and they are all listed, but you can't read them until you until you've done them or until you've like started them. Sometimes they have multiple parts to them. But once you do, you can go in and see kind of like what you did that triggered this butterfly effect. And what it will allow you to do is the next time that you play the game, it'll allow you to easily make a different decision if you'd like. Oh, that's cool. Because the decisions that that are these butterfly effect decisions are always binary. You only get two choices of them. Um so I think that that's I think that the, like that part of it is pretty neat that they let you they let you like see them when you want because the game is very obviously meant to be played multiple times like very obviously meant to be played multiple times they kind of make it clear that you're not going to see everything in one play th- playthrough and you shouldn't because like the whole point of the game is to get this unique story based on how you play the game. But now I thought you said you and your friend were going to do the whole thing in one night, but you're only a certain amount of time through the story so how long is the game so we played from about 7 15 7 30 until 30 in the morning we're nine chapters into the game from what looks like and i don't know for sure and i haven't looked this up or anything what looks like 10 chapters so we got through almost all of it it just be we're old now we can't stay up late anymore and we just it got too late when we bed and that was that was the lame reason why we didn't finish the game. That is an incredibly lame reason. I will, I will give you that. Yeah, we almost did, though. We almost played through the entire game. And the next time that I play through this game, um, I will definitely be starting slightly earlier, and I will play through it all in one sitting because it can totally 
be played through in one sitting. I was never bored at all with the game. At all. It was super great. And, like, if you're not a fan of horror movies, like, I, I can't recommend this to you. Because it... Here, here is probably the best thing as a fan of horror, um, as a genre. Because it is a long game... Because it is long compared to a movie, right? I mean... A movie is a, a, a movie, and generally horror movies specifically are usually like an hour and a half long. They don't usually go much longer than that because it's hard. It's hard to like keep that level of suspense and keep it good for much longer than an hour. Right. So you won't find many more many horror movies that are an hour and a half long. This game's six to eight hours long. So the way that they keep it interesting is they blow the horror load. On this one game, because it's the only horror game like this that's ever come out. They literally, like, hit on every common horror trope at some point in the game that you can possibly think of. Like, I'm talking, like, all the different styles of horror movies. Like, suspense terror movies, um, monster movies, you know, you, you name it, it's, like, in here as a genre. And so it keeps it incredibly fresh and super fun as a fan of horror movies to to play it because you're always like, oh my God, like they're aping this and this and this. And then you say, oh my gosh, now they're like aping this and this and this movie. So it's been really fun to watch that. Um, and it's just done really well in video game form. They give you just enough interaction with the game to keep because to keep you playing the game. Because I think if they if they didn't give you as many quick time events as they as they do it would be really easy to just dismiss this game um as like too cinematic because it is incredibly cinematic like there are many times many many times where you're just watching a cutscene and then you walk somewhere and then you just watch another cutscene so they give i really feel like they give you enough with the quick time events that are in the game to keep it interesting now, do you get a warning when there's going to be a quick time event? So, like, let's say there's like a 15 minute cutscene, and I want to put down the controller. Is there going to be some kind of indicator that I need to have it? Because I want to kick back and watch that, and I want to be like waiting the whole time. This is a horror game. Like, you need to be ready at a moment's notice. That's nah, what no, if the too ki- much. What if the killer is behind you? That's dumb. No, it's not. I promise, it works really well. I, I'm not just saying that. It really does work. It, very effectively. Um, and it, it's it's been a great game. It It is meant... It is also a game that is meant to be watched by other people. Without question. I do not doubt in my mind that the creators of this game made this game assuming that you would get friends together and you'd, you'd do a run of this game together. Maybe handing the controller off in some capacity, but totally watching this game as you would... A movie with friends. It sounds like a 100%. video. It sounds like a video game version of Cabin in the Woods. It kind of is, except Cabin in the Woods was um, was very like self. It it, it was self aware. This game is self aware too. Cabin in the Woods was was it bordered on satirical. This is more homage, okay, than it is than it is satire. It is just homage to all the types of horror you can think of. Sure. Um. But it's done well. It's not done in like a in like a, a bad way. I mean, it knows when to use campiness, and it and it does that. It just does it incredibly well. The people that made this game are obviously big fans of horror, which is great to see. Um, I don't remember what else I was saying. 
other than the game is meant to be played with with other people. Um, yeah, there was no doubt in your mind about. That. Yep. Yeah. N- yeah. Absolutely, no doubt. So the way we were playing it, and it worked out really well, was every chapter we would we would switch off because oftentimes the perspective changes within the chapter. You'll control three to four different teenagers sometimes in one chapter. Other chapters you'll just control one. Um, but, um, I mean, it's it's really good. It's it, it's super good. It's good, and it's it's. It is a must-play game if you are interested in the horror genre. I really feel that way. Because it's 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 just done in a way, again, that pays homage to so many of these great horror tropes that exist in all in so many of these movies that I've enjoyed watching over the many years that I've been watching horror movies. Um that it it it's just it's a great game. It's a great game. It's a great game. It really is. Sounds like it's a, a decent game. Yeah, um, and that was that was the best game that I played over over course of uh, me playing games in the past like two weeks. I almost wish you would have saved it for a week or two from now because it's so Halloweeny. Like this is perfect for Halloween, but this gives people a full two weeks or more to play it before Halloween, just in time for the holidays. Yeah, and I don't like just because we played it in one sitting doesn't mean I, I necessarily recommend doing it that way. I just said you can do it that way, and it's absolutely a game you can binge like without question. Um, but I I don't know if you if you need to do it that way. In fact, you, you you don't you don't need to do it that way. There's very obvious breaking points. The chapters are each about anywhere from twenty five to forty five minutes long, and so that was when we were doing controller handoffs. Um, and those are great parts to, to to put the game down if you want. Um, they even do a la- like a last time on Until Dawn every time you start a new chapter. Oh, I love when games do that. Yeah, and it's v- it's incredibly cinematic. I mean, it's just it's the splash screen of the title of the game, and it sa- and it even says last time on Until Dawn, and it just shows you what happened during the last chapter of the game based on whatever gameplay decisions you made as well as quick time events that you like either yeah i love when games do that so are there sex scenes no then i'm not interested yeah no there's there's well at least so here's the thing i mean i've only played through the game once i guess i don't know there i mean there could be but you've played in a dumb enough way to where you have not seen simulated sex between computer generated avatars so so so, like I said, I probably could, maybe I could have, based on Josh and his girlfriend. I think I think her name was was Jess. Is Jess? Um, like, I maybe I could have, but I I hated them both so much when it came time for them to possibly have sex that like that is not the direction that I pushed them in. That is wrong. You chose poorly. I'm glad I was not playing this with you. So um, that's the other that's the other thing about this game is that I, I think we're going to play through it every year because I want to know. It seems like the game could be so different. Like somebody died in this one scene. I've already said that two people have died in my playthrough, so I, I don't think this these are spoilers. Somebody died in my in one of my scenes, um, and they were with one other person. And the next chapter had just that other person, like, going through this area of the game. And had that person survived, that person would have been with the character I was controlling in that next chapter for the whole chapter. 
Like, that would have been a completely, like, different experience had that other person have had been there. Interesting. So I feel like, like, if the, the, if the, the illusion, even if I go through and play the game again and it's, and it turns out that it's not that great, like it's, there's not that much that actually diverges when you choose different, different choices, the illusion is very good. And I won't know if it was executed well until I play the game again. That's awesome. But this first playthrough has just been so much fun. So much fun. Well, I'm pumped for you and for horror genre fans. I'm not a big enough fan of, like, I mean, Cabin in the Woods, I got it. But Cabin in the Woods, the Joss Whedon movie, for those not familiar, that is a satire, basically, of of horror movie tropes. Um, Like, when I watched Cabin in the Woods, it was fine, but it didn't, it didn't, like really resonate with me i wasn't like hardcore over it so i feel like i could probably appreciate until dawn and i might check out some let's play scenes or maybe like if you and i are in the same vicinity at some point when you're playing through it i would watch you play some of it but like i I don't think i'd go out of my way but it sounds like for horror movie fans it's really a must play it totally is and like i said it's not it's not really satire it's definitely it's definitely homage, and there are some um, some there's some scary stuff in there. I would say it's way more uh, jump scare than it is kind of any other type of scare. But I, you know, like there have been a couple of games that have come out recently that do non jump scares well, um, but games in general just aren't there yet in doing like dread is I think one of the most commonly used terms for for scariness that is not jump scares and like there just aren't a lot of games that do dread well yet um that's like still coming that makes sense well within the within the medium yeah yeah i i would that makes sense that makes sense cool well uh well done look at you playing all those games while i was busy trying to get our podcast working that's not what you were doing it pretty much is but hey you did your due diligence and you did your part by having something to actually talk about so i'm impressed and pleased what I really need to do is I need to get I need to play until dawn every year. I need to get different people Killed. to play it to oh. play No, 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 no. I need to get different people to play the game each year because I want to like show this I want to show this game to other people. This is the type of game I want to show people that don't necessarily play video games. Dude. Because see ah uh, see and that's that's how I feel with my girlfriend all the time, but I don't she doesn't she doesn't do horror movies. Yeah, well, I mean, sure, and and so that's like, a shame, right? But this is totally, this is totally the game that I want to show people that don't play video games because it's such a unique thing, and it is so not video gamey, um, but has enough video game stuff in it to be to be like fulfilling for me as a video game player. Right? Yeah. No, I understand. Believe me, there's, there's. I mean, are there games like this that are this well done that aren't horror related? The only, literally, the only one that I can think of is Heavy Rain. You could put games like, like Telltale's The Walking Dead, um, basically all of the Telltale games. You can put those games, I think, in the same genre, kind of. The difference being um, that there aren't. I believe there aren't any type of quick time events at all in the Telltale games. And so they are much closer to your traditional adventure game than this game is. This game this game is slightly divergent from adventure games in the sense that 
depending on how you perform in these quick time events, can impact like who lives and dies in your game rather than just the decisions you make as to like what to say sure. or where to go. Um, so yeah, it's slightly slightly different. There we are. Look at us. Look at that's, us that's, reminiscing that's all, all, all those I've got. scary times. All the scary yeah, horror all, things. That's all I've got on Until Dawn. But it's, oh my God, it's it's so good. It is so good. It cool, really brah. is. Cool, brah. Cool story, brah. Cool, uh, cool game, brah. Do you want to take oh, a break? Oh, the other... Th- oh, the, go the ahead. Other th- no, I don't need to take a break, actually. I've got my water here, so I'm No, good. I wasn't um, asking to take it. No, we don't take breaks. We're not the pedestrian I, uh, sponsorships after this, but go ahead. The one last thing I'll say about the game is that um, it is... It is seriously beautiful. Um, the actors were motion captured, and then like their faces were done with facial recognition stuff, and so the actors look like look like the actors that they play. Um, and so that's great. Um, nice. Yeah. So uh, it it just it looks and that really helps with the game. Like that really helps, really helps the game. I'm with you. I'm just processing you know like this is heavy yeah yeah rain very that is. Heavy. do you get what i did there i made a transition seamlessly into talking about heavy rain 30 episodes i will say that it has uh peter stormare in it and he's fantastic i don't know who that is um is uh is um oh what's his name is peter dinklage in it no oh see that yeah uh, so now i'm i was almost sold but now i'm not so. I don't have any other games. I, I like I did it all. I, I told, you've played I told every you game. There are no games feel, left to review. I feel like I did a good job of playing a variety of games. A well job. You did a well job to to talk about. I yeah. Well, okay. Well, um, uh, it depends. If you have no games to talk about for the next four months, then ah, uh, uh, maybe you should spread it out a little bit. Ah, uh, uh, you know, I'm not really sure. However, if you come back uh, next week with things to say, then uh, then you will be redeemed. It was really good. Yes. So let's take a short commercial break for our sponsors. Are you ready for that? Yep. Well, because I just mentioned uh, I just mentioned Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Of yes, course. Of yes. Thrones. And then, hey, the, I guess what we're a member of the Gunna Geek Network. And that is a podcast network, and well, it's a network of geeks that do many things, articles, lots of other stuff, but we are one of the podcasts of the Gunna Geek Network, and another one is Tyrion's Landing, which is a Game of Thrones podcast. Do you see what I did there, Jonathan? Did yeah, you that see a that? great segue. Seamless segue, yes. And in episode 94 is actually the Emmy edition. Tyrion's Landing talks about the mountain of Emmys Game of Thrones received this year, and they also have an update on Hair Watch 2015. So join them on episode 94 of Tyrion's Landing at gunnageek.com, which I don't know what Hair Watch 2015 is, but I'm sure it's fascinating. And there are other TV shows that are that are going on uh, on the network. They talk about lots of TV shows, such as Crimson Comet. Well, actually, on episode 36, they talk about The Flash Season 2, Episode 1, The Man Who Saved Central City. So, on Crimson Comic this week, join us as they escape the 90s and return to The Flash that is beloved currently on the air. This week, the Crimson Comet crew is teased about last season's villains before they get the band together and meet a new Flash. I don't know what that means because I don't watch The Flash, but I've heard Crimson Comet's a super good podcast. 
on the Gunning Geek Network, so you should check that out, especially if you're a fan of The Flash. Now, you don't have time to watch television, I'm guessing. Um, like I said, I've made some time to watch some horror films um, on Netflix this month. I don't, I don't watch a ton of TV. I'm like still BoJack Horseman's only two seasons, and I'm still not even through that. So, yeah, no, yeah. I don't. I don't watch TV quickly. No, and I know that October, like you just become horror movie central. Yep, like all yep, you I, do is sit around on your lazy butt, binge watching horror movies. You don't work. You don't eat anything but Doritos for months on end. All October, it's all you do. Yeah, actually, you're right. You just right. lie in your own filth. That's what I remember the last couple of Octobers. I could be wrong, but that's what I remember. So, You could be wrong. There, well, there's that. All right, cool. Well, uh, I know it's getting kind of late for both of us, and it's been a bit of a longer episode, but uh, quick lifestyle like slash life update. I will give you a short break before you talk about your house. Because I want to talk about a thing. I want to hear your thing. Because I'm kind of tired of talking. Great. Well, it bridges lifestyle and video games, actually. So last week I was in... Well, I was in a couple places for a business. I was in... Uh, I was at our New York office uh, for a couple days and in Times Square is where that's located. And then I was on... The, I was in Las Vegas for a couple days. I was on The Strip staying at the Bellagio for a conference, which was uh, networking. Yay! Do you like networking, John? Do you and other pharmacists network? I really like Vegas. Yeah, but do you network? Is that a thing that you do? Do you go to pharmacy conferences and network? I think you can. Like, I think we can do that. Um, I It's not like a thing I, I seek out. You don't go to networking events to expand your network? And so you have more of a network on that you can network with and network things and well, tap into I, Okay, your... so, so I don't know necessarily i think what networking means i i know networking opens up new job opportunities but like i don't i i don't want a new job though i like i really like my job now networking jonathan is obviously using other people as a means to an end which is inherently unethical and thus networking is is for bad people basically but a lot of people do it so i uh i'm not a big fan of it necessarily. I learned a lot at the conference at like keynote speakers and little roundtable sessions and things. But yeah, as far as the networking, quote unquote. But anyway, I don't want to talk about that too much. Um, Vegas was great. I've been there a few times and it was fun as always. Uh, but, 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 but where's the thing I can click on? However, when I was in New York and I was staying in Times Square and Times Square is dumb and everyone in New York. Well, OK, let me rephrase that. The first time I went to Times Square, it was awesome. Because I was in high school, and there were more little LED and LCD lights in Times Square than basically like most small countries, and that that's really cool. Nowadays, I was like completely unimpressed. Like I, I was staying at a hotel basically a block away from Times Square, and I would go, and it's just a bunch of TV screens everywhere, and there's like no personality. And it's like if I want several screens, I'll go to work where I have two monitors. Or I'll go to a bar where there's like 15 LED TVs just sitting and, you know, hanging off the walls or whatever. Like there's there's nothing – New York, Times Square just does not do it for me anymore. Like it used to be a cool spectacle that was also like just full of tourists and obnoxious. But now it's just – it's just a bunch of – it's just – it's just noise. It's just – it's just – noise screaming at you from every direction and it's all the same it's just dumb moving pictures of things they want you to buy and i I had nothing it didn't do it for me but then i went to the strip 
And the strip is awesome. And the strip is still awesome, I think. It's just me, maybe. But because there's neon everywhere, and everything is like has this giant scale and a sense of personality, and everything's very like kind of like spread apart. And there's this aesthetic to it where you can look at the giant replica of the Eiffel Tower, but it's it's not it's not ten feet away from the giant Statue of Liberty at New York, New York. It's like half a mile away because everything in Vegas is so spread out. So. There's my analysis of the aesthetic uh, pros and cons of Times Square and the Las Vegas Strip. I'm sure you were looking forward to th- I absolutely was looking forward to Good. But the highlight of both trips, actually, um, and the Bellagio is great, but the highlight of both trips was definitely the Nintendo Store in New York in time. Well, we'll say in Times Square because that's what they say, but it's not really in Times Square. I don't know how you – it's on Manhattan Island. It doesn't matter. I went to the Nintendo World Store. I know nothing about, like, New York and the boroughs. So I, you could say Queens, and I'd be like, oh, Queens, yeah. Yeah, uh, sure. It was in Queens, Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Right? So there you go. So the, do you know anything about the Nintendo World Store? I'm assuming that they sell Nintendo goods? <laughs> I mean, <Yeah. laughs> I, I don't, I've never even heard of it, to be honest. It's a Nintendo-run store, and they have a lot of exclusive events there. Like, they have lots of Pokemon tournaments and launch day, huge-scale launch day events. And Oh, is it is it really big? No, <laughs> oh, <laughs> actually. Okay. It, it's not. Um, so, you know, it, I mean, it's nothing that you should fly to New York to go to. It's, it's not a gigantic thing. It's just a two-story store. And there is a lot of exclusive merchandise that you can only get at the Nintendo store, which is really great. I actually got a Metroid shirt with the Samus logo on the front, and it's all really high-quality material. And the Nintendo World shirts actually are really, really nice, too. Um, And I I bought a few things. My favorite thing, speaking of Halloween, was actually a Pikachu plushie that is Pikachu dressed up in a Gengar Halloween costume. I mean, that sounds cute. It's really cute. Like, it's really cute. It's the cutest thing, basically. So I now have a little plushy Pikachu dressed up in a Gengar Halloween costume, and it's probably my favorite Halloween decoration of all because it's really cute. So I got that, and that's, like, not a thing you can get anywhere else, so that was really cool. So, I mean, if, you know, if if you really, like, I've always wanted a cool Metroid shirt, but and you can get them online, but I don't know. You never know about the quality, and usually there's some weird tag or logo that's not Nintendo on it that that's like t-shirts.com or whatever, and and it's not always I don't know they're not always nice. It, it, this is all like nice, cool merch. Um, on the main floor, there's like a, a kind of a circle of couches where you can kind of sit and just play DS with people and like trade Pokemon or battle or do street pass stuff presumably and whatever and uh and they've got a bunch of like just you know, shirts and some plushies some big ones and then you go upstairs and there's a bunch of wii u systems set up and you can play basically any game that they have right now like there was a whole wall with mario maker decals and you can play like mario maker at four or five different wii's so uh it was cool it was cool. If, Like I said, if you're a Nintendo fan, it was really nice. And there's like a little kind of museum-y section. Uh, it's just a couple glass cases. But they've got like every Nintendo system all the way back to like the original Game & Watch systems. So, um, you know, just kind of in a case. So it, it's, a, it's really well done. 
it's they really make the most of the space. If you're a Nintendo fan in in New York City, like you absolutely need to go here because it's it's just really cool. If I had had the forethought to have brought my Nintendo 3DS, I would have gotten some really cool street passes there that are presumably unique store in New York. So it was uh, it was just really cool. There's just a lot of merchandise there. It would have been great if I could have made it to an there, but you know, whatever. I was there on a Tuesday, I think. And I got there an hour before they closed, but if I had gotten like I was on a business trip, so I was by myself basically. If if I could have gone right after work and gotten there at six, I may have literally just sat there playing Wii U for like an hour. Because like you know how it is traveling. Like I mean there's nothing to do in a hotel at all. And yeah, I, and it's not like you were in a city where there was like a lot to do. I mean, I New York City is. I've never been there. I it's I can I can tell you right now it would, it would be too busy. For yeah, me. yeah, I yeah. I mean, you think, good lord, it's part of me really wishes that I could live there briefly just to experience it because it's insane. It's just it's just it's it's next level, right? It's just totally next level because like Chicago is. My girlfriend has has, uh, made this observation to me several times because she's been to lots of major cities and pays attention to architecture and things. Chicago is a city, but it's very spread out. It's very spacious. Like, if you're driving down the road, there are, like, two wide lanes, and there's a sidewalk and things like that. And, yeah, there's a lot of buildings, but there's alleys where you throw the trash and... There's alleys where trucks can drive through. And in New York City, or at least in, on Manhattan, which is where you'll go if you ever go for business, on Manhattan Island, it, everything is on top of each other. And, like, they just throw the trash in piles on the curb in front of the buildings. So there's just, like, huge piles of trash everywhere. There's uh, gar- the smell of garbage and sewage, like, steaming up from under the, the streets everywhere. Um it's it's just different. And, and granted, I've only been to really Manhattan. I'd love to see Brooklyn or Queens or some other part of it that's more, I guess, normal. But when you get to like the core hustle and bustle of New York, it's it's nothing like Michigan Avenue. Like Michigan Avenue on you know in Chicago, I work on Michigan Avenue at Tribune Tower, and I I go in and it's it's whatever. There's space. There's it, it's just a different world. It's very strange. And I, I do think you would you would probably hate it in terms of like being in the middle of everything. It's just like it, it's just everything is ah, it's crazy. But at the same time, I'm kind of intrigued, and I'm kind of like I wonder what it would be like to actually spend a, a decent amount of time here. Um, so I don't know. New York is like a mystery to me that I, I will probably never solve. Um, that got way too deep and insightful, introspective. Uh, I am done. Um, That's what we do here on Unqualified Gamers. Is that what we do here on Unqualified Gamers? Ah, sometimes. All right. Well, now you know more about me and my complicated thoughts about New York City, about which I know virtually nothing. And again, I know Manhattan is not representative of the entire city in any way, but I happen to be there. And dude, New Yorkers hate Times Square. Like, I was talking to the people in our New York office and, and some other people that just live there, and they were like... Times Square is the worst place in the world. They like Is it because all the tourists go there? Probably, but I don't know. Like I said, I work at Tribune Tower on Michigan Avenue and that's like the tourist spot in Chicago and I like I don't know. I used to, a lot of people in Chicago live in Wrigleyville. No one ever complains about the tourists that go to the Cubs games. It's it's like 
I don't know. I've, I've been around a lot of touristy places and I live in a very, in a, you know, a major U.S. city, but like, not like this, man. No one, no one hates on anything like this. It was crazy. Whatever. So what'd you play this weekend? Uh, so the other thing that we did was the house, the house, the crazy, the crazy house stuff. So you know how I bought that house? Remember how I bought that house? You bought a Talked house. Yeah, the yeah. last time that we were You're moving in on yeah. Halloween. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was sure was the plan, wasn't it? Um, so I'm going to be homeless now for about a month. What? Um, so we bought a, uh, we bought a house and, uh, everything was, was like hunky dory. We, uh, we had sold our house and like we had lined up the, lined up the closing dates so that we were going to be moving out of our house on the exact same day we were going to be moving into this other house. Cause that's like what you do. That's how, it, that's ideally how you do it when you're selling your house and moving into a new one from what we understand. Um, so uh, all that was fine. We hadn't got our inspection back yet, but like in general, um, in general, like inspections go in a way where even if something is wrong, like you can usually figure out what you're going to do to like fix the problem um, when there's an inspection. So our inspection came back and it turned out that the house that we were buying ha- needed all new siding on the entire house. Why? Because it was completely rotten because of moisture. So um, that particular fix uh, is about like fifteen thousand out of pocket dollars. Oh, and when you're and when you're buying a house like like you know the house is the house is is very expensive, but it's folded into this thirty year loan so like it it may be the house is probably the most expensive thing you'll ever buy but it's it's you're paying for it for such a long time that like obviously you're making monthly payments and it 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 doesn't feel that expensive when you're when you break it down to a monthly payment right but this would be us paying a like this would have been like us paying a really large money up front with the down payment um, as well as the earnest money that we have to put into the house um and then also getting into the house and paying $15,000. And it basically would have depleted our savings in a way that we just weren't, like we weren't, we weren't, we, if anything had happened to our drop point, um, we wouldn't have been able to live for like, which is like you can't, when you have a kid, you can't operate like that. We could have operated like that if we didn't have Max, but like we have to be able to provide. So, um yeah, it's it's much more important for us now to keep a level in our savings to where if anything did happen, we do need to be able to exist for a couple of months. Um, so we were like, okay, well, since this is like the fix that needs to happen, uh, I like we decided. I think we're just gonna like this kind of what we decided, which was a very hard decision to come to. It was it was a very agonizing couple of days. To, like figure that out. Oh, dude, you liked that so, house a lot. So, um, we I'm sorry, man. We talked to our realtor and we said, uh, yeah. Well, I'm not done with the story yet though. So, we talked to our realtor and we were like, okay, um here's here's like the deal, like we talked about this and this just isn't a this isn't a cost that we going to be able to take on when we just like buy our our new. We just we can't. So, we're going to, we're going to walk away. And she understood. I mean, she was, she like was all for it and everything. And she's like, okay, I'll tell them 
that um, that the like I'll tell them that the only way that you would continue this deal is if they paid for the siding. And she said they're not going to do that. So um, so I'll I'll get you these things to sign that that show that yes you're going to be walking away from the house um, and then. Uh, just sign it and I'll give it to him th- tomorrow um, when I talk to him. But I'll let him know that they they would need to replace the siding for you two to stay with the house. So she told them that and uh, we just kind of went about our business. Um, and they they haven't been as responsive as like other buyers and sellers have been. Like we got, we made decisions like same day when we when somebody requested something from us in our house selling process it's been taking these sellers like two days to get back to us for basically anything that we say um so we weren't expecting a response immediately so the next day casey and i were were like well we need to like start looking at houses again so the next day another house goes up for sale on that exact same block and this block is like 20 houses long and then, and so the odds of another house going up on that block are like ridiculous. So another house went up on that block and we were like, oh, we have to go see this. So I went after work. This is like a Thursday. I went after work to go see this house at like 530. And uh, the realtor and I walked through it. And I was like, I also really like this house. Like, and she was like, yeah, I like it too. And it's basically... It's basically like the same as the as the other house, except it's a little smaller and the yard is smaller. That was basically all the difference was. It was set up in a very similar way. Um, and I was like, well, let's get Casey in here to see it. So the next day during the day, she went in that Friday afternoon and went into the house. And she's like, I want to put an offer on this house. So we put an offer on the second house. Meanwhile, the first house hasn't been officially canceled yet. Because uh, we've filled out the paperwork, but it hasn't been given to those sellers to sign. Because everything has to be signed by both parties once you have an accepted offer. So um, we put an offer on this on this house, and we find out that there's already been... And keep in mind, this is the second day it's been on the market. In the middle of the day, there has already been another offer put on the house. Of course. Of course there was. Uh, this house was significantly less expensive than the first house by a, a relatively large amount. Um, and we, we found that the, we found out the reason for that later. So um, we put the offer in the house and there's already another offer. We are told that the offer, the other offer that's on the house is low. Um, like they, they requested lower than the seller. Right, trying to house. negotiate. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they were, and they were looking for the seller to play closing costs apparently. Um, and we went in basically offering their asking price. Like we, we, so our offer was already more competitive. We find out that there is another second showing for another couple later that day. And a couple hours later, we're told that there's going to be a third offer placed on the house, which is a really bad situation to be in. Like you don't want that you you don't you never want multiple offers when you're buying a house. You really don't want three offers when you're buying a house. So um, the way that it works then is we get told, okay, here's here's how this will work now. There's a deadline tomorrow of four p.m. You need to give us your highest best offer that you are willing to pay for this house. 
and then all three people will give their highest best offer and then the the seller will decide which one they want to go so meanwhile we still haven't heard back on the first house so the next day rolls around and we decide all right here's what we're going to do um we're going to offer them basically so that they make like $15,000 that they make in their pocket $15,000 more than their asking price. For them, it's like a fantastic deal. Oh, hell yeah. Um, and uh, and so that's all great. And we, we submit that offer and then we wait. Meanwhile, we get a call from our realtor about the first house. She talked to their realtor and apparently they decided that they were willing to replace the siding on the house if we decrease the amount of sell- of closing costs that we request by $5,000, which translates to if you've never bought a house before or if you have and don't understand it because it's incredibly stupidly complicated. <laughs> Basically, what that boils down to is for $5,000 out of our pocket, we can get an entirely new set of siding on the house, which is in, like an incredible deal. Like that is, it is ridiculous. We weren't expecting anything close to that. So, um, we were like, okay, well that kind of changes things regarding this first house. So we talk about it a little bit. We end up deciding that we're going to wait for the offer to come back. Yeah. We just see what happens on the second one. On the second house, see what they say. And depending on what they do, it'll either make our decision easy or hard. So later that evening, we are told that we did not get the bid for the second house. And that the winning bid blew ours out of the water, quote unquote, from our realtor. Which means I have no idea what ended up being offered for that house. I'm super curious because I, like, our offer was very good. Very, very good compared to what they were asking for that house. Yeah, right. It was 15 more. So they must have offered like 25 to 30 more. It And it wasn't just 15 more. It was actually more than 15 more. We still had the seller pay the closing costs because it ended up, that puts more... I don't want to exp- I don't want to try to explain it because it's very complicated as to as to the way that it works and it's unnecessary for me to explain it. But we actually had it set up so that they we offered like 20 some thousand dollars more than their asking price. Um so the offer was like very very good and the one that beat it blew ours out of so uh, that's super interesting. That was very very interesting. Um and so we said okay, we're going to go with the first house. Like we got it figured out problem is is that because of some new lending laws that literally went into effect at the start of October when all this was happening um, you can't do something called escrow anymore so escrow is a concept where like the the seller of the house can put money in this account and they can then move out of the house and money from that account can be used to pay any contractors that need to house and then the remaining money in that account is given back to the seller. It's a deal that you can make when you're selling a house or you could make when you're selling a house so that you could get out of the house, new people could get in, and you could still pay for the things that you were like required to pay for by the contract. So you can't escrow money anymore. So now all of the work to the house has to be done before the people move out of it. So um, E have to wait for the siding to be done on the house for the house to be done. And for us to be able to move in. Right now, that is scheduled for December 4th. Have the siding done. And then we will then be able to close on the house December 11th. Roughly a month and a half later than originally intended. Dude. And, and 
The following Wednesday, this all happened like over the course of four or five days. The following Wednesday, we got the results back for for our radon test. I don't know if you're familiar at all with radon, but radon is a gas that basically appears in basements. Um, it's very common in Minnesota. It's it's caused from the breakdown of like uranium and something else, um, and it is a cancerous gas if exposed if you're exposed to it long term it's a relatively like recently discovered thing like it hasn't been it hasn't been like a known issue for a long period of time in the grand scheme of like knowing about harmful stuff um but we also had a radon test done for this house and of course with everything else going on we get the test results back on wednesday and yes the house has a significant amount of radon above safe levels so you have to get a radon remediation as well. Now, typically, this like when you do this test, the sellers will just pay for it. They'll just pay for this test, for, for, for the remediation, I mean. But because they're already paying for so much of the siding, we were concerned that they that like we weren't be able to we wouldn't be able to work with them on the radon now because they're already putting so much of their own for the siding. Radon remediation is like 15 to 25. So our realtor talks to the realtor. And the next day comes back to us and says, okay, they're willing to do radon remediation <laughs> if you lower your clo- if you're lower your closing cost by another $500. So now we're getting another large fix to the house for $500 out of our pocket compared to the fifteen dollars to 2500 that it would normally cost us. So it feels like by kind of being patient with it that we're going to end out coming out really awesome with this house it's because the- we're going to have... The radon thing done, and we're going to have completely new siding on the house. That sounds great. Rockstar. Yeah. Rock over London, rock on Chicago. But that, it was like one of the most stressful, like seven, seven days trying to get that all established and like all of the prison stuff signed that we got signed that I've had in a very long time. Uh, Yeah. Sounds like it. And And now it's stressful because we were told like, okay, if there's any openings at all, um, with this with a siding company like your siding could get done sooner and as soon as it's done like you can get into the house so now it's stressful because it's just like any day we could get the call that's like hey there's been an opening and you're going to be able to get your siding on like this weekend and then you're going to need to be ready to close the following so that's stressful too happy birthday it's not my birthday it's not your birthday but there's a man it's not my birthday but uh hey, yeah, so that's, I mean... that's that's my house debacle it's been it's been crazy well, um, happy adventures. I, at least you will have a home at some point. And I cannot wait to see what your internet is like in that uh, interim month when you're home. Because I'm sure that everything will work perfectly from a technology perspective and we'll be able to record with no problems. Because <laughs> when would we ever have problems? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be at, uh, at my mother-in-law's house. Um, and she has, uh, she has the Wi-Fi. Okay, I've heard of that. I, th- I think that she has an internet connection that I've tested that gives me about one megabyte down download speed. How many now bits I, is that? It's not many. Now I've actually I've actually recorded a podcast from her house before when we had mold, I believe, in our house that I'm currently living in. I believe that we recorded a podcast uh, were there. So I know it is possible. I don't remember the quality. There's a very good chance it's going to be on my laptop for what is ahead of time because the quality of the top sucks, but it's what it is. Um, but I think 
I think we should still be able to do it. Cool. Well, you can be on the edge of... I mean, John, you were just on the edge of your seat for a week. Listener, you can be on the edge of your seat for the seat for the month of October and uh, the remainder of October and November as you never really know what's going to come up next from our podcast. Yeah, not to mention we might have some... We might have some exciting news. We think it's exciting news uh, in the near future Who, as you well. and me? Yeah. I mean, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so... So we like we might have some interesting stuff to share as well. I mean, I that guess. We're about. I don't like to announce that we have announcements coming up because uh, they don't always cushion. But yeah, yeah. That's why I. Eye. That's why I said might. That's true. Well, keep an eye on unqualifiedgamers.com and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review if you get a chance. Because uh, that'd be really great. Would love to um, to get some of your feedback. If you want to be on this podcast, uh, email me at unqualifiedpodcast.com. Unqualified. No, that's not right. No, Unqualifiedpodcast right. at gmail.com. Unqualifiedpodcast at gmail.com. You can find all our contact info on unqualifiedgamers.com. Uh, in the event that John's not available, lots, I mean, I've, I, I, I'm kind of become the interview machine is what they call me at, uh, at the station now. I know Nobody inter- calls you that. Everyone calls me that. So uh, there are interviews to be had. So indie developers, indie game collectors, whatever. If you're listening, you got something to talk about games. Um, I'm unqualified. So even if you're not qualified, then it's appropriate to have you on. I, just talk to us if you want to talk to us on the podcast. And things happen. Is all. Things happen. That that's, wasn't that's... meant to sound like a desperate plea for guests. I really don't. I mean... I've, we've got our own whatever. I'm just saying. I know some people sometimes have perspectives or things they want to. T- they 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 have thoughts in their brains, and then we have a podcast. So it's like, why not combine the two? And I'm just giving you opportunities to flourish. All right, just drop the attitude. Good, good. That's what I said. I'm flourishing. Don't, I don't know what that means either. I, don't, I have no idea. It's great. I'm going to go wonderful. play video games. No, I'm not. I'm not because I have plans for that. Again, I'm never going to play a video game again for the rest of my life. Good. So good. That'll be really good for our video game podcast. Agreed. What do you do here?